0: This is Stephanie Hansen, and you are listening to The Makers of Minnesota, where we are talking to cool people in the state of Minnesota doing cool things. And I am here today at Urban Growler. And you guys, first of all, it's your five-year anniversary coming up. I can't believe it has already been that long. I'm here with Deb Locke and Jill Pavlik. You guys, five years, it feels like I was just reading about you being the first women brewery owners in the in the Twin Cities.
1: Does it feel like five years to you?
2: In some ways it feels
1: like twenty-five. Twenty-five. But in overall. In other
0: ways, five minutes.
1: Right. It has gone like that.
0: Yeah. It just um, super fast. You yes. so tell me about how you you're in a kind of strange neighborhood that you must have been one of the first businesses back here that was attracting like consumer facing.
2: Yes, we're in a light industrial neighborhood in South St. Anthony Park. Just north of the Green Line. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Raymond Street stop, and it really took a beating during the construction of the light rail. This neighborhood did. This neighborhood did, and so there was was a lot of empty space, but it was a perfect place for a brewery, um, and we found this
1: beautiful building, which was built in the late 1800s. And it used to be where they housed the city of Saint Paul police horses. Oh, cool! It's where they made heart downhill skis. It's also I've where they had hard skis. Me too. And it's also where they made Northland professional hockey sticks.
0: Okay, so a lot of history with yes. entrepreneurs in this building. Yes. Did you know when you saw it right away, or was it? Yes,
1: we actually saw this space two years prior to getting to seat inside we were biking through the neighborhood we don't live that far away from here and we're like oh my god is that not the coolest looking building
2: from the outside from the
1: outside and we're like how would we ever know if it came available well when we were looking we probably looked at a hundred spaces over a course of a year and finally you know we had a couple deals fall through and then it just so happened that there was a banner outside this building that said now leasing we called right away we got in right away and we walked in we're like this is it and we actually have an architecture or a drawing, not an architectural drawing, a drawing that a gentleman did for us based on just our vision. And it is almost identical to from the beams to the, the
0: taproom look, the way That's our taproom so cool. look. It
1: is. It gives me goosebumps even today. Yeah.
0: Five years later, thinking yes. about it. Yes. So give me a little bit of the backstory. You guys are a couple. Yes. We and are. Deb is the brewmaster. Yes. I am. So you how did you decide that you were going to go into this venture together a it's always interesting to be a couple in any business I was coupled up with my partner in a business and wow that has its whole that's like a whole (laughs) nother podcast um but how did you know that you were going to start a brewery what was your background or why were you interested in it
2: so I Deb am um a biomedical engineer and project manager. So I worked in the medical device industry for many years, mm-hmm. and I was an avid home brewer. I'll let you Jill, Jill tell her background, but um, we wanted to do something together. And we were sitting around drinking my home brew trying to figure out what that would be, and we romantically thought of this great idea, hey, let's open a brewery. And that was almost seven years before we opened where we had the idea so from
0: idea to opening our doors was almost seven years. And you guys were thinking about this very early on then, because the yes. when did the Surly Law get changed? It was before changed? the Surly yeah. Law, yes. Well, we were in Davis, California,
1: so we moved once the whole idea was decided upon, we... So much had to happen, but we had to move to California Davis so Deb could get her master's in brewing, Mm -hmm. and while we were out there, that's when the Surly Law changed. By the time we opened, we were like the 20th brewery in the state, and now there's over 180, last I heard, like 184 uh, a week ago, so um, that's we've seen a lot of change in the industry in just five years and that we're the 20 something now 180 something we're like seen as this sort of a senior group, which is hilarious because we're still so new. But we, when we opened the fact that we were women owned, we kind of kept on the back burner because we just really wanted to be known for great beer, fantastic food, outstanding service. That's what we wanted. And the fact that we were women owned was just an interesting fact Uh but now that we're in a sea of a shit ton of breweries. Yeah, uh, a shit ton. Yeah. That we decided it's kind of important maybe that for some people that they know we're women owned. So we've just now started putting a little box on our cans that say women owned. Um and so hopefully you know when people are looking through perusing through their endless options they'll see that and it might be intrigued and most importantly fall in love with our beer
0: you get a sense of when you're in here that it is a community space that it feels very welcoming. There's lots of different rooms. You can see there being uh, weddings here, people having meetings. You're open for lunch at 1130, which is almost unheard of in the brewery Yeah, well, that's
2: one of the other things that's kind of different about our place is that we have a full kitchen. So we are packaging brewery, but we also have a kitchen. And that was one of the things Jill and I fought about uh, <laughs> One endlessly. One of the things you fought about. One of the few things we thought about.
1: It, we were at a brewery in Northeast before we were open and uh, well long before we were open. with Probably three years before we and were I open. And I grew
2: up in the restaurant industry so I knew how much work that was. My parents owned restaurants and I worked at them since I was five.
1: And I kept telling her I really want a kitchen. I really want a kitchen with this brewery and Deb's like no, no, no. Hell so no. Hell I, no to I the no. I shows the coldest night of the year to let's go out for a beer so we go to northeast we have a couple beers and i'm like i'm hungry deb's like i am too i'm like i'm not standing outside and she's like i'll go out to the food truck and then she comes in like 20 minutes later and is like yeah we will have a kitchen because we're in minnesota so we feel it's important that once people they're here they'll want to stay especially if it's cold and especially if we have great beer fantastic food outstanding service so and many, it is, many
0: of the breweries don't have food service that they control. It's that they've got a food truck that's coming by or that they've got a relationship where they come every week. Right. It, it is really nice to have that under your control where you control everything. And I would think for your catering and the events business too, that's really helpful.
1: It is very helpful. And it is, we are controlling
0: when well, it, not in, in,
1: in the way. sense of, no, in <laughs> in the sense of we want to keep control of quality and we are doing that with distribution as well. We're self-distributing, and that's I can't that's wait not to easy. ask you about that. Okay. So,
0: okay, you have all of these different beers. Yes. What was, uh, Deb, your first beer that you fell in love with that is just like, speaks to your heart?
2: That would be Cowbell Cream Ale. It's our biggest seller inside the taproom and outside the taproom. It was also one of those beers that, as a home brewer, people drank plenty of and loved and showed up to many parties. So that was... That's the the real love of my life or the second love of my life. <laughs> Let's that. be
1: true. Let's be honest here.
2: <laughs> the first. But the cool <laughs>
1: thing about a cream ale too is that you cannot hide any off flavors and so many many master brewers will judge the quality of a brewery based on how good their cream ale is. So I feel like that Deb has nailed that beer and it is our number one seller and it is delicious. Uh, whether you're an IPA fan or a porter fan, Cowbell Cream Ale is a really great fan favorite. Just a great beer, and yes,
0: yep. You know. Um, you guys have taken this distribution. You're doing a lot of things differently. And I think that's really interesting to talk about. Why did you decide that you were going to can and distribute your own beer when you don't necessarily have a sales force? There's all the sales and marketing pieces that come into it. Who made that decision and why did you do it that way?
2: Um, We both made that decision. Do you
0: make every decision together? (laughs) No, No, that's so funny.
2: No, we are total opposites in almost everything
0: we generally have the same
2: vision we just have a different way about getting there so there's a lot of interesting discussions and
0: is it painful sometimes yes very yeah I it's very painful and it's when you're in a business it's your whole life yes like you want to have like work-life balance but there's that but then like if something happened at work and you want to talk about it, you don't can't talk about it in front of your employees. So right. it's just like twenty four seven. You feel like you're living in this microcosm. Yes. In our
2: first wedding anniversary, so we were married right before the brewery opened. Um, we've been together about fourteen years, but we were married right. Before the brewery opened, because we didn't have enough things to do, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and uh, on our wedding and first wedding anniversary, we got called in because the sewer backed up. <laughs> so on our first wedding anniversary night, we were mopping up ship shit water with a bunch <laughs> of staff. So yes, it was uh, it was, was a bonding experience.
0: Glamorous. Yeah, that's but pretty funny. It
2: really was a great team, team event. Yeah, it was. But not one most people would
1: pick to do. Okay, so. But the- we do, as far as like making decisions, Deb makes, you know, discusses with me brewery things and ultimately makes those decisions. Anything like front of the house like server, bartender, food things, marketing, marketing. that's on my, ultimately, I feel like I make those decisions, but we consult, we consult with our team. We have a great chef, you know, so we have a line. There's literally a line in the brewery. The the food safe floor is kind of Deb's side and the sealed concrete side is my half.
0: Okay. That, and when you think about (laughs) putting those decisions together, distribution falls where in that? That would be depth depth. side. So distribution, that was always
2: part of our business plan was to self-distribute for a number of reasons. Um, first of all, we're a small brewery, and um, it costs a lot of money to distribute with a distributor. So there's a certain percentage they take right off the top, mm-hmm. and we make small batches. So we make 10 barrels at a time, and we don't have that economy of scale. Um, plus... So just maintain the quality of our product, like keeping it cold and being in front of our customer, telling our story, telling our mission and just that personal connection. And our mission is to bring people together and we want people to feel warm and welcome with our own sales force out there. And I'll talk about the sales force in a second. They. Their customer service is awesome, and they're talking to retailers, they're talking to bars and restaurants, and you are seeing the face of the brewery, not a distributor. Not that there's anything wrong with the distributor, it just wasn't right for us. Okay, and also
1: to say the whole thing about distribution and keeping control of the sort of the message, but we answer our phones all the time. It doesn't matter if it's 7 at night or 6 in the morning. We will answer our phones because we want to control that beer getting out if a customer needs it, and that has happened. And um, so we're getting a good reputation, and we're responsive. And I think some people might be leery about working with people who self-distribute, but I think we're proving uh, that to be not an issue.
0: Right, right. So when you made that decision, how did you end up finding a sales force? Or Mm. you talk about your employees selling it. Who are they? We, so first of all, we started with one sales rep and he, well,
2: first of all, we started with one sales rep, Julie. She -hmm. started working with us at the brewery on
1: day one college friend i've known forever so and um, we trust her completely yeah
2: she was our first sales rep and she would sell kegs around the twin cities and then tom who's my brother would distribute the kegs yep so that's how we were going along for a couple years but then we got our canning line so when we got our canning line that's when we um, expanded our sales force and we uh, hired Corey. he was our first sales rep and now he's our sales manager
1: first full-time sales rep yep. julie is part-time
2: right and um we have a great sales force now we have three full-time w- three no. full-time
1: two part-time and we just added a fourth full-time
2: so there's that much demand for the beer yeah well we've just we're expanding our markets now we're going to st cloud and rochester so we had just been in the twin cities metro and now we're expanding it so and our, what's different too about our sales reps they sell off the off the truck yep so it, they literally have cold beer on their truck
0: how can you keep up with the demand? So you talk about brewing ten barrels at a time. Yep. Are you going to get to the point if this goes well where you're going to need to have extra capacity?
2: Yes. We so we've expanded now. So the um, limiting factor for us is actually fermenters. It's not the brewing the brewing process. It's, it's not where, the
1: size barrel system we have. Right? right.
2: It's where you put them, put the beer because it takes a you know a couple weeks. To get each batch through. Yep. So there's a finite number of tanks. And that's um that's we expanded about uh three years ago to increase our tanks. So we're pretty much at the max of what we could be at. But in the future we will run out of space and we so that's what we are noodling now. Where do we where do we go
0: next and how do we do that? And do you feel like Deb, because you're you know wanting to manage the quality of the beer that you brew, do you feel like you can do that and grow because you're better at it, you're more experienced. Do you've learned more about it?
2: Yeah. So in the last year or two, we've also upped our quality game. So we have added a quality lab. We have a pretty close to full-time quality brewer. So she's um, taking measurements and uh, doing microbiology samples and tests and
1: yeast counts. And- For all our beer, whatever we serve on tap here and in cans
0: and distribute. And it's a she. Did you, yes. were you purposeful about finding a she?
1: Um
2: we don't discriminate. Men and women are both welcome to apply. We've had women brewers and men brewers mm-hmm. um, in that particular. This particular quality brewer is a woman, but we've had we have uh, three other men on staff.
1: Okay. We tried. We did try to encourage women brewers to apply. I mean, we did take extra measures to get women brewers, but we had a really hard time finding women that there just are not many women brewers right yeah
0: and do you think that there will be more as the industry continues to mature or do you think yes. we're at saturation
2: um or both Perhaps we have a shortage of brewers of any gender right now yep. yes okay because the uh the burgeoning craft beer industry the the education experience hasn't caught up so i think we will see more of both men and women in the future but How- Hopefully more women because there's not many of them. Yeah. Not many of us. It appeals
0: to me to buy your beer because you're women owned. So, you know, I understand not wanting to lead with that. And I have my own feminist problems sometimes in Mm -hmm. my head about, you know, I want to support women businesses, but I don't want to just be banging the women business drum all the time, because right. I think, why do we even have to talk about that? I'm just sitting right. at the table doing business with you. But then if we don't talk about it, then, you know, you're not talking about it and people overlook you, yes. i.e. Well, women's soccer. Right. Yeah. You right. Know, it's,
2: well, well, I, yeah, I agree. Um, but I think if you take, if, if it'll get you to try the beer the first time, then great. That's, If and if we don't succeed in producing great beer then Thank you for trying us. That's our that's our fault. Yep. That's on us. Yes. And then you get to move on and
0: right. Okay, so you're going to start this brewery. You both seem like you're really smart, very thoughtful. Planned it out. How did you get the money?
1: Yeah. that was we kind of old school. We did we do not have money. The two of us yep. are not rich people. Uh, so once we made the decision and once we found the space, we held open houses here and we gave, we sold t-shirts to a brewery that didn't exist. We gave away Deb's homebrew. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> we had uh, architectural carnitas. drawings we had architectural drawings spread out among um, you know in the space we wore car and down jackets because it was severely underheated in here and for a year we gave tours till we were hoarse and we
2: told our story
1: over and over again about our vision and yes and what we saw for this neighborhood and the kitchen and what would you like to see in that kitchen and then uh, we ended up selling founding memberships so we have founding members that come in and get one pint free for life or two pints free for life, or uh, we, and then we sold 20% of the business, a business that didn't exist yet, but we raised about $500,000 in a year. Which is what we
0: needed for the other part, which was the bank's. I was going to ask you about that because <sighs> did you get a small business loan?
1: We did, but uh, we that before, was the
0: hardest part of the whole journey.
1: It always is, uh, and
0: they act like they're like, "Oh, we're happy to lend small businesses." And they have money. marketing
1: material, flyers. Is it? We, mar- you know, we lend to women and minorities. And anyway, we were told to our face that that is just marketing. That is <laughs> not we're not treated any differently. And I get that's fine, but like we were we had uh, an award winning business plan through palo alto it was a national competition through yep. palo alto software and uh we ended up getting uh winning first runner-up we lost to uh women's Saving starving children in africa we were okay with that uh but <laughs> yeah, we I mean, we're how could you give the money to a brewery uh but we got ten thousand dollars in free services and we use that mostly for legal help but um where am I going with? So this? the point was, it
2: was a it was a good business plan. Yeah,
1: 160 page, amazing business plan. We we would send it, and they'd ask for it in like an e file or something, and we'd send it out, and we were denied by you know the first few banks. It's like, okay, what? Maybe we need to dress more like brewers, when we go. Maybe we don't look so butch. What are we doing wrong here? Do we have to bring like my, my brother in law with us? Like, what's the issue? And uh, we were stressed, and we got to the twelfth bank, and they were like, okay. Just do these few more things. And we did. We did jump through all those hoops. We're in Washington or Philadelphia at a craft beer conference. We're ready to order equipment. They were like, we had a 10 o'clock a.m. conference call with them. And they called and backed out and said, we're just not comfortable. We had everything they asked of us, and the 12th bank backed out again. So along
2: the way, we heard some things. We heard
1: things like, honestly, to our face, how will you girls carry those big heavy bags of grain? How will gals your age keep those late night hours? Now I'd been working six a.m. till two a.m. That long ago. No, no, I worked for Blue Plate Restaurant, sure, and I worked those hours, and uh, I w- we were horrified, and I a couple of times I thought Deb would flip the conference table, like how is she going to carry those bags of grain? Watch her lift this table and smash it against the wall. Right, no, we didn't. It's like do you just feel like how you're
0: frustrated,
1: extremely frustrated, and. Devastated, and what? But it did fuel our fire. We are gritty. We are competitive, um, and we we were just like no is not an answer. So we talked to we we met uh, Burning Brothers guys down in Chicago at uh, how to a, start a brewery class long time ago. We met the guys from Mankato Brewing. We met the Burning Brothers guys. So. We were down in, we, we were telling Dane from Burning Brothers, we cannot get a loan. Like, what is going on here? And um, so he listened to us whine for like five minutes and threw his banker's card across the table at Devani's on Cleveland and said, buck up campers, call my banker. He's waiting to hear from you. We did. And within two weeks, we had our loan. So oh, our that's so great. 13th bank came through and we have a beer named after, uh, kind of in honor of that, uh, Whole experience, the,
2: yeah. The can of Kentucky Uncommon has thirteen rivets in
1: the horseshoe that have to do with the Thirteenth Bank.
0: Oh, that's so. pretty interesting story. Yeah, yeah. It is. You know, you hear that. Oh, banks want to loan small businesses money, and then you have a good business plan. That was our experience too. Really well thought out business plan. Tons of great feedback, and we could, of course, sign away our house, which basically was given. We did, yeah, we had to, and and so I was like, okay, so this is kind of a joke, though, because you, if I gave you my house. I think at the time we had like a $400,000 house. So if I gave you my $400,000 house, you'd give me a loan. But I could just get a m- mortgage and a home equity line that did the same thing. And it would have been a lot less time trouble and having to deal with you suits. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, it is pretty well, crazy. Well, I will also say we were
1: denied by men and women bankers. Mm-hmm it wasn't a lot of a lot of times people think it's just you know white men denying us and that was not the case uh it was women and men um and within this our our own neighborhood in this city like right Right. in this community um but since then a lot of those bankers have come through they've even been like oh you know we wish we could take it all you know give you another look and uh so they're they're asking for our business now but we're staying loyal to pioneer in mankato um because they believed in us
0: from day one i think that's important too when you to. explain to somebody why they should come to your tap room or why they should drink your beer is there more to it than that it just tastes good ah
2: yeah so our mission is to bring people together through beer so um when you think about like our we have a plow to pint series where we feature some local ingredients in our beer like right now it's spring summer i guess summer happened yeah (laughs) it's happening it's Um, happening we have like a rhubarb wit and So we have our farmer at the farmer's market that we get our rhubarb from. And it's it's all part of the community that we try to establish. So not every beer is that way, but our plow to pint, we really try to partner with a local farmer and bring some interesting ingredients into our beer. So this is a rhubarb that we're bringing into our rhubarb wit beer. So we try to do partnerships. We try to do a variety of styles. So here in the taproom, because we do... 10 barrel size batches we can do a variety of flavors so if you don't like an IPA or you don't like a cream ale we've got usually eight or nine other styles or types of beer for you to try
0: can you think of a time where you made the beer and you just jumped up and down because you loved it so much um
1: yeah I'll I'll give you one that happens a fair amount
2: (laughs) Well, sticky rice is one of yes one one of the kind of serendipitous things that happened. We were in a competition with Tin Whiskers, kind of like an Iron Chef chopped kind of food sure. show, where uh, social media picked the ingredients, and was put out on social media for our competition. What should these brewers make? What ingredients should they use? Well, we did get a little veto power, so we crossed off the meat. No <laughs> meat. No, no, <laughs> no meat, meat. No here. cheese. Yeah. yeah. No um, bugs. But what, what came back for ingredients were um, ginger, coconut, and... Mango? Mango. And, like, we only had... Three weeks to make a beer, so there wasn't a chance to do a pilot batch. So you kind of gotta you gotta go with it. There's a restaurant in Northeast called Sen Lac. I love that
0: restaurant. So do we. That
2: makes great sticky rice. So add all of that with some jasmine rice. So I added jasmine rice to that beer, and it turned out to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. It was yes. delicious, mm-hmm. and um, it becomes one of our now has become one of our annual
1: people ask for it beer when oh, sticky rice I like coming that. out
2: oh that's great
1: another really fun one so you've heard of the Reinheitsgebot principle german brewing law no german,
2: german purity law where yeah. you can only use uh grain hops yeast and water nothing and funny no funny business there
0: okay so
1: deb says Reinheitsgebot, meinheizgebot <laughs> so we'll put anything in beer sure yeah. and so except uh, for meat right or cheese she is from wisconsin so you might have thought of cheese but that's never going to happen uh we she makes this rhubarb wit and um a couple years ago we we always we have mondays off and we stop at the what's the tea place where we get the bubble teas yeah uh well we stop at this tea place over by McAllister college and um we get the uh, mango bubble tea so deb is like passion oh, fruit passion fruit bubble tea and she's like oh this would taste so good with the rhubarb wit so we do a rhubarb wit with passion fruit and tapioca balls and serve it with a big fat straw and over, ice over ice and it's she's like there's green oh, tea this is infused. oh so wrong in so many ways but it is one of my favorite beers Oh, i can't wait to try that it is so good it is absolutely delicious and refreshing and it's a beer
0: and when, it will show up for our anniversary party. Yeah, our
1: anniversary party august 10th i have
2: to limit have it.
1: it to anniversary
2: party or Jill would want it all the time
0: (laughs) it is going to be your five-year anniversary I'm assuming tell us about what activities you'll have in case people want to check you out
1: Uh, please do so our actual anniversary was July 12th but we're celebrating August 10th and we're going to have live music uh, pretty much from noon on we're open till 11 p.m. that night Uh, we're doing a new beer release on the hour so take the so, day off, yeah, so Uber in. Maybe
2: some oldies but goodies coming up and some new ones, but a different beer released every hour till it runs out. You know, so these
1: are just small batches. They're fun. Tapped and then gone. It's very fun. Yeah. And um just a- And food. We'll have food specials. Yep. Just anything and everything we can do to shine that day, we will do.
0: What do you call this neighborhood?
1: The Creative Enterprise Zone.
0: And what is it about this neighborhood that is attracting business? Because there's more people coming into the neighborhood.
1: I feel like they, the, the, zone is making a concerted effort to keep its charm and we don't want the chains we don't want to turn into you know sort of what people are saying is happening on grand avenue Mm -hmm. uh that is the motto of the creative enterprise zone is making it here and that's what drew us to this neighborhood as well plus it's what we could afford but it was really which is
0: part of to be honest the creative enterprise right because small businesses are attracted to places that usually are outlying the urban areas yes. except we're but we're close enough an, we're in right. an urban area yeah right. six, six blocks from university yeah yeah we i guess saint paul you know when when before the North Loop was the North Loop, mm-hmm. same kind of a, a revival was going on over there. Yep. Yes. So I can see that coming over here. And it's funny, in St. Paul, it's taken a while for the areas around the light rail to catch. Yes. Yep. In Minneapolis, they caught on right away. But I think we're starting to ex- feel some of that expansion. Mm-hmm. There was an article in the Star Tribune that just came out, I want to say today or maybe yesterday, that has hmm. 17 breweries. The mini light rail. Yeah, sort of that you can access from the light rail. I you read guys that were on and the we were on the trail. It hmm. Yes. And I talked to the folks at Lake Monster Brewing and they were saying how it's really important for them to partner with the breweries in their area so that you guys can have a tour, as it were, of yes. a nice afternoon for people to ride your bikes from place to place.
1: Yes, that is the kind of the beauty of the community is, yes, we're competition. But we also like collaborating and working together and helping each other out.
0: When you have Mondays off, what do you do for fun? If we, it's a summer. We golf. You're golfers. There's
1: really good deals on golf on Mondays. Okay. And we and, just st- sort and of and started back up. you turn your cell phone off. You turn your cell phone off for four role. hours. Yeah. For so, four hours. That's we your walk. limit. We don't ride. I mean, it takes about four hours to to ride or to walk 18 holes and uh it's like you are just focused on your game nothing else you can't think about anything else
0: it's a blast who's the better golfer
1: deb jill i'm getting better but (laughs) i've beat her a couple times that's my goal every time we play is to beat deb
0: Deb, where was your family's restaurant? Uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. Okay, so by Wapaka. Uh, Not too far from Wapaka, yep. uh, I grew uh, up on that, Chain of Lakes in Wapaka. Oh, we used
2: to go there when we were kids. That would be where we'd go for my dad's day off. Okay. We'd go swimming and... Maybe Shadow Lake in Wapaka? Yes, yes. Is that
1: part of Fox Valley?
2: No, Appleton's in the Fox Valley. Wapaka County,
0: I guess. But yeah, uh,
2: so Wisconsinites here. Well, I'll tell you, we have a Wisconsin-inspired fish fry. So being from every Friday, all year round. But that was one of the things I missed when I moved to Minnesota was the fish fries and just um
1: that community experience. I'm from Lake Street, Minneapolis. Sure. Deb took me home to her, you know, state. wisconsin and we went to many fish fries in milwaukee and around her hometown of appleton and i like never got it but once i was there and experienced it i'm like i get it like this is a part e- of this is part of your culture. it's a community culture. evening yeah, yeah. Yes. and
0: i think it started at a lot of the church basements what's on your yep. fish fry
2: it's a uh, perch french fries or you can if you really want lightly red- breaded Light- it's not it's, beer batter yeah not beer batter. it's lightly breaded coleslaw tartar sauce a slice of rye bread
0: and then... The rye bread makes it sort of Wisconsin-y, doesn't it? It does. And that you're using perch because... Perch. That's a kind of unique thing to Wisconsin. Mostly here you see cod if...
1: I've never... We, in Minnesota, you throw perch back. You don't eat the, the perch. Oh, they're delicious. But but they are, are delicious. Yeah. They're absolutely delicious. So, I'm converted.
2: So I think growing up in Wisconsin has... has is where my roots are like you know liking beer and liking beer from a very young age just when when i was in college my friends got me a keg of guinness for my birthday
0: oh that's when funny. i when i turned of age yeah of course <laughs> when you were of age wink wink <laughs> can we talk about marketing because you're in a super crowded field like i just i wonder how you get people to come here? Like, how do you attract people? Is it social media? Is it events? Have you thought about, I mean, do you lay in bed at night and think, oh, we need to get more customers?
1: Yes. All of that. Um, it's been organic really. It's been social media. It's just anything we can do for free. If it's invited to do a talk somewhere, we'll do it. It doesn't matter. Um, where the event is, if it's a topic we're knowledgeable about, we'll go just to give our to give a shout out to urban growler. We do Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And so much of that has changed since we've opened. It I mean, really I has. just I just learned. I never knew much about it till we got till a year before we opened and I created a page but it has changed so much that it's getting harder. And yeah, there's harder. no
0: organic reach really anymore. No,
1: it's it's that has changed uh, so we are just now consulting so that we've talked about our founding members mm-hmm. that we have a lot of them have great resources and they want to see us succeed obviously. So we've made some connections to get help with just marketing and um, they might do it for a beer and dinner and just help us you know, are we headed in the right direction? Uh, but this marketing has become a way better, bigger deal for us in the last, you know, year.
0: Is there any feedback that you've gotten or little nuggets that you were like, wow, that was super helpful? Just
1: the people, like show how we show our community, like sort of the community of mm-hmm. people here. And the, you know, we are consciously focusing on our beer and our food and the community. Like, and not... Um, and showing that the diversity of our community and our neighborhood, that so people do feel welcome here, that there we have from young families to, you know, 90-something-year-old lesbian couples. I mean, mm-hmm. we have every, everyone's welcome here. So... I think and hosting events. We're always trying to come up with events. Like in the dead of winter, January, our slowest week, we did a coconut week. So we did a different coconut beer every day. We had palm trees and Hawaiian shirts and just well, it's fun, different, different yeah, things fun and things. food specials. So we're always trying. We have a we have a whiteboard in, in of, f- anytime someone comes up with an idea, we put it on there. In February,
0: we had bacon week. Yep. Oh, that's a good idea. Bacon it, and beer week. Bacon's white yeah it was a bacon flight paired with some beers yeah delicious it's uh it's sort of ongoing right trying to get the marketing word out there is it is your customer different than like the surly customer
2: yeah in what way well i would say customers go travel to every brewery but think about every brewery having its own personality so people who are more like maybe surly is not the right one to use but Like, we won't have a beer named Kilt Lifter, for example. Right. Right? That won't... That's not us. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not us. It's just not your style. Right. Right. Not our style.
1: And we traveled all over the country before we got open and just really paid attention to what maybe offended us, what we were drawn to, and we really did build this brewery with women in mind but not at the exclusion of men yeah so the square back chairs in the tap room so a purse with a knob on it so a purse won't fall off um the temperature in the winter is warmer uh because we don't like to drink beer if we're cold um you know just so many different things that when we were traveling we'd walk in we might see a woman painting of a woman falling out of her shirt and we were like you know, this just feels... Probably um,
0: not going to do that.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's not that they're wrong. It's their, that's their story. And, you know, what's important to them. And we just built this with women in mind, again, but not at the exclusion of men.
0: How do you, when you're working on your different beers and your cans, yep, and the physical design of the artwork, because that's become a whole nother industry that has just mushroomed with all of these beers is the the aesthetic of what the can looks like. And I always think it's interesting. Like, do you stick with the same person and you have then a look that you can look at all eight of your cans of beer and they all sort of feel the same? Or do you just go zig to the left just because then that would appeal to someone different? How do you make that decision?
2: Yep. We've, We've re- actually been very conscious about that, and we have established a look to our brand. And all of our cans, except for one, which is our Pride can,
1: which uh, let's, let's Dance, dance. which we is... brewed for Pride, Gay Pride Month.
2: Yep, and so that one has deviated a little, because Pride, it's kind of like, that's, it's a deviation. It's a right. deviation. Yeah. Let your hair down. It's, and one uh, of our staff designed the
1: can, so oh, it was fun. really fun.
2: Yep. So that is out there right now called Let's Dance, and that's the only one that doesn't look like all the other cans. But yes. um, but otherwise, we have a a look to our cans, which is kind of clean,
0: simple, and... I think very attractive. So when people see them on a shelf, they'll like be like, oh, I know that those people, I know that beer. Well, I hope
2: so someday. (laughs) If they don't now, hopefully someday. Our goal is to be in every liquor store in Minnesota and be in the top 10 breweries in the state, not necessarily by volume, but by reputation. So hopefully,
0: yes, someone would recognize our can on the shelf. You said you're competitive. How long have you given yourself to get to that goal? Uh, we've got five years so all right though so i'm gonna gotta come get, back here <laughs> we gotta get cracking and i'm <laughs> yeah. gonna be like hey hey well if you know it sounds like you're on your way
1: i gave us three years dev said five so <laughs> the whip sales, is a cracking
2: yeah sales over there <laughs> sales and marketing's three years and operations is five years
1: okay
0: <laughs> all right well we're gonna hold you to that thanks so much for spending time thank with you, me stephanie. today, stephanie thank
1: you stephanie